0: This episode is brought to you by Major Spoilers VIP members. VIP stands for very important people, and their small monthly contributions ensure that this podcast remains free for all of you. If you would like to become a bronze, silver, or gold VIP member, go to members.majorspoilers.com for more information. I sure do thank you for your support. Now, here's your show.
3: This issue, we get psychic, channel some black magic, and turn fully inhuman, and that's just the pre-show prep. Ash returns for more undead shenanigans. Alias Jessica Jones brings the creepy, and Don Bluth wants to return to the Dragon's Lair. Plus, we all get accepted into Gotham Academy. I call Ravenclaw! From the unplumbed depths of pop culture to the summit of all things nerdery, Major Spoilers is there to bring you the highs, the lows, and only those mediums what don't come from Long Island. Because the Major Spoilers podcast is on the air!
0: Welcome to issue 648 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. And really, thank you to our Major Spoilers VIP members from around the world who are making this show possible. We don't run a lot of ads on the website. In fact, this week... We actually got a compliment because our website is not ad heavy like a lot of other websites. And they particularly called out comic book resources for how God awful the site has become in the last couple of months. And uh, one of the uh, hosts, Scott Kurtz, even said, hey, I like major spoilers because even though they have ads, they're not all up in your face. We don't run a lot of ads on the site because we want to make sure that the site experience is good for you. But in order to run the site and in order to do the things that we need to do, we're coming to you. And asking you to help support us by becoming a Major Spoilers VIP. Think of it as Patreon if you want. Without Patreon as the middleman, you're going directly to members.majorspoilers.com. You're signing up. You still get special bonuses just like you get with Patreon. Your money's going right to the creators, us, just like Patreon. The only thing is, Patreon's not getting a cut of this deal. So we would really appreciate it if you would help us out. Let's get you to sign up. I mean, $2 a month, $5 a month, $10 a month. Every little bit helps, and you can do that by going to members dot com, signing up today. And thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your support. Uh, Ash versus the Evil Dead, guys. Evil Dead. It is coming out this weekend on the Stars Ash Network. Dad. Who's uh, excited for this? I am. Are you? How I'm, come?
3: I'm I'm confused because. Now I don't know if I have the network or not. They've made some, made some changes to my cable package and I think I have stars. But even so, I love the idea of in, in, in this culture of revamps and reboots and launch boots and vamp launches. I love the idea that it's the original creators and, you know, the original star of it coming back and doing more of it. Rather than, you know, say, relaunching it under somebody else or doing something entirely different with the same name. And Evil Dead had a lot of good stuff going for it.
0: Yes, definitely. And uh, it's only a 10 episode miniseries. I don't know if it will if it's planned for anything beyond this one initial season, but it's got a good cast. It's got Bruce uh, Campbell. It's got uh, Xena Warrior Princess in it. Lucy Lawless, Lucy Lawless, and uh, some other some other actors I'm not super familiar with, but some uh, good uh, good kids. It looks like it looks like it's going to be pretty funny. Rodrigo, did you have a chance to watch this four minute, somewhat NSFW, uh, uh, bit of the uh, the show?
2: I did. Yeah. What'd you think? I liked it. It you know, they could have done a lot of stuff with this. Um, and it is Ash versus Evil Dead, right. as opposed to
0: Army of Darkness or Army
2: of Darkness. So mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's interesting because this has much more of an Army of Darkness vibe than it has an Evil Dead vibe. I would say. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I might be misremembering the movies, but it really seems like the likes. Like super slick Ash really came around from for Army of Darkness, you know?
0: Right, right, right. Now, there's something, and I don't know, I haven't done a lot of research into it, but I seem to remember that maybe they don't have the rights to Army of Darkness, but they uh-huh. do to Evil Dead, mm-hmm. and um, so I don't know what the major changes are. I mean, it's the same character, same sure. setting, uh, so, you know, he just hasn't done the time traveling, but um, I, um, I don't know. It, it, I'm very excited about this, but because it's on stars, but stars has a pretty good budget for stuff. I still think that the vibe that I got from that four minutes is that they're trying to make it feel like the low budget production that it was in the very first Evil Dead movie. Right. And it kind of has that vibe.
3: Well, they got the Delta 88. So that's yeah, really, yeah, yeah,
0: I'm, yeah.
3: I'm concerned about, and I have to admit the, the bits and pieces of it that really appealed to me were the parts where they admit that this is Ash nearly 60 years old. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, the, the sequence with the corset cracks me up. But when you, when you actually go through and watch it, time has passed and clearly, you know, has passed for the character. And I think that may actually add something to it. You know, when they did the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who, I was one of the proponents who said you needed to bring in 70-year-old Colin Baker as a 70-year-old old sixth doctor and deal with the consequences thereof and they didn't and that's fine it's not the story they chose to tell but here i think they are going to have to deal with that and I, that sounds kind of fascinating maybe that's just my age talking i don't know
0: what are you most concerned about
3: uh i'm concerned about it turning into self parody
0: that's the uh, that's kind of the weird thing that i got because you know in the first evil dead and even the second evil dead which was essentially a remake of the first evil dead um there was there was comedy but there wasn't I don't know, there was some, even in Army of Darkness, there were some slapsticky moments, but this did feel almost like a parody of itself.
3: Yeah, I, I feel like here, at least in the part, I the part that we had on the site was the, right. the first four minutes, Right. feels like they did that intentionally, and it's one of those moments where it's like, we're placing our tongue firmly in our cheek here, we're, we're dealing with this, we're admitting this. And now we're going to move on from here and see where it goes, which
0: mm-hmm.
3: it's perfectly fine. You know, they did the same thing when they did the first uh, – when they did the Serenity movie after however long it had been since Firefly had been canceled. Right. It opened with a tease that everything was different. And then it turned out that we found out what was and wasn't different and everything that they teased – was different tonally and and character-wise and Mm -hmm. plot-wise, became part of the story. And I hope that they can do that here.
0: Rodrigo, do you have any concerns? I mean, are you even a fan of uh, Army of Darkness, Evil Dead stuff? I didn't ask Um, you that earlier. Well,
2: I like it. Okay. um, Which is... As you guys well know, about a thousand notches above the majority of media. Yeah. For me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I want this, I'd like for this to succeed so that I can eventually watch it online. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I like, I like Army of Darkness a lot. I like Evil Dead. And, um, I guess, you know, th- the biggest concern is that they will, it, it's not necessarily that it'll become a parody of itself, although that risk is there too. But that Ash will be immediately flanderized, right? Is like, mm-hmm. is like. I don't know how long it's been since you guys last saw the movie, but you guys and and I probably have this image of what uh, Ash is like, right? And I, my biggest concern is that that image does not necessarily match up the. Uh, superficial image that the writer might have, that mm-hmm. other people might have. Mm-hmm. Um, and that rather than going back to the movies and kind of getting that nuance that was there, you know, through all, you know, I don't know, s- six total hours of Evil Dead stuff that there is, right. mm-hmm. um, that it's just going to be like, well, here's what Ash is like. He's a fast-talking, fast-shooting, fast-driving old guy who as shoot- shoots zombies when he's not doing them that's my biggest concern about it
3: and a lot of the you know the previous adaptations especially in comics have fallen prey to that because mm-hmm. what we've seen in the characterization of ash is basically the last six minutes of army of darkness that point where he's back in the s mart and the zombies attack and it's Hail to the king baby mm-hmm. well depending on which version of the movie you've seen obviously but that whole thing really becomes the the central focus of a lot of the spin off media and then that's, that's a really good point, Rodrigo. If that falls to that level, there's a chance that, yeah, it may not be the most satisfying thing in the
0: world. Anything else on that?
3: Uh, Bruce looks good for 57. I'll yeah, he does. He's
0: taking good care of himself. I, I like him a lot. He uh, looks
3: better at 57 than I did at 27.
0: Well, if you like what uh what Bruce looks like at uh, 57, what do you guys think of Jessica Jones coming out November 20th? The uh, trailer landed uh, this past week and wow. has a lot of people talking. It's very dark and it's oh. in my mind it's dark both visually and from the 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 message standpoint. Totally. Um yeah, totally. It's just very very dark and creepy.
3: I I'm kind of happy with that. Because, uh, again, up to a point, and we've talked about this before, Alias, the story that it's adapting, adapting, English is my 14th language, the story that it's adapting is dark and difficult and weird. And I
4: feel like
3: they are on the cusp of problems in the trailer that we see. But I'm not going to judge on this two minutes an entire season of television just because of what I look at. But... Yeah, there are definitely dark moments in that first run of Alias that I think it was the first max title from Marvel to where they had specifically created a an adults only format. So they could tell this story that is so disturbing and so over the top, you know, the dark side of of heroics and super villainies.
0: Right, right, right. Rodrigo, thoughts on this uh, trailer?
2: I, I, I thought it was interesting. You know, there's what? Four or five volumes of Alias. Mm -hmm. Um, And that they chose to specifically dive into this was an interesting choice. And it's, you know, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. They're basically doing like, here's a story about a superhero who was essentially raped. Right. Um, So it's, it's a, they are. Like, their work is cut out for them to adapt this, definitely. You know, in the comics, there was a lot of Marvel four-color stuff in the way that they were working very hard to either celebrate or subvert. You know, like, the Netflix audience is not going to have that. They're not going to know who Luke Cage is. I'm guessing she's not going to have a scene where she flies in and, like... You know, just crunches the, the Scarlet of the- Witch's skull. Was it the Scarlet Witch? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, it. yeah, because then yeah. the Vision came after her. Right. So, you know, it's like, I don't know what they're going to do with that stuff. Um, and I'm interested to see how they adapt something that is basically a, I don't know, like a a, a spur of the Marvel uni- Universe. Like something that grows like purposefully was there to explore the Marvel universe, take it out and make it its own thing. Because you do have the Avengers and you do have agents of shield and you do have power man and iron fist coming out soon and daredevil, but it doesn't have that same amount. And a lot of these things are probably off limits to these writers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Uh, Most definitely can't use
3: Ant-Man who was a major supporting player. Yeah, Exactly. They what, was it even I, the same? No.
2: Yeah, it was. It was.
3: Uh, yeah, it was Scott Lang before yeah, he yeah. died. And then he before he undied.
2: I think what the they're thing-
0: they're really going to probably just focus on that first volume because the purple man is the uh, the main uh, antagonist and um and because he's featured so much in there and, and because it's only, what, 10 or 12 episodes, that's mm. going to be – it's going to be that first volume. So things are going to get really – The Purple
3: Man is actually the fourth volume.
0: Oh, is that what it was? Is that the but one you read? In
3: their defense, it's written by Bendis. So technically each six-issue <laughs> volume is what a normal writer would call one yeah.
0: issue. So, so. I, you know, I think that it's – I think we're not going to see I, – I think with the way that they've done Daredevil and the way that they've set up Jessica Jones and the fact that – Uh, Iron Fist is located in a different part, not in Hell's Kitchen, uh, that I really think that they're just going to focus on that volume and we're not going to see a lot of that flashback to other Avengers interactions. And I think they can do it, but I'm just so worried that people are going to look at this and go, wow, this is really disturbing. I'm not sure I want to see Iron Man. I'm not sure I want to see what you guys do next with uh, Mm -hmm. uh, Shang-Chi and whatever else. So. Uh, they got to. Well, they were going to really have to tread lightly on on this. Uh, people on this show.
3: People love the dark stuff. I mean, Christopher Nolan's Batman movies are dark in this same sort of way and filled with that that tonal ambiguity where it's a crap. Yeah, but they world don't have
0: people uh, trying to blow their heads off and uh, brutal rape and beatings and stuff going on.
3: I don't know. Some of that Bane stuff in three wasn't explicit, but I think it tread on that same turf and. I think more importantly, this is this is R rated, yes.
0: Well, it's Netflix, so it's well,
3: that's true. So it's yeah, it's not. It's whatever. Away. There are people who are clamoring for adult. Oh, sure, history. and I
0: and I'm, I'm there are people
3: who argued, you know, the Deadpool movie is apparently supposed to be an. R. Oh yeah,
0: rating. and it's a, it's a hard R. It's already been rated as a hard R, and and I'm okay with that. I really am. But um, your second TV, well, third TV series, I think you gotta you still gotta tread a little lightly. Now, I know that there have been a lot of people who have – um who was I talking to the other day? Now, I forgot. But they were like, oh, yeah. Oh, no. I think it was the great NATO. He said that he watched um Daredevil with his son. They watched it together. But with Jessica Jones, he's going to have to watch it first before he allows his son to, to watch it. Yeah. Just and because of –
3: That's a very good call. But I think that Marvel Studios specifically and these creators, whomever they are – are playing on the fact that technically, while this is only the second series coming out, it's sort of kind of part of that whole greater universe they've been building back right. to 2007.
0: Right. It's, the, it's actually technically so. the fourth TV sh- series that they've done with uh, Ali- yeah. or, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and uh, Daredevil and Carter. what's her name? Peggy, Peggy Carter. Yeah. So this yeah. one would be like their fourth. So they kind of know what they're doing. I'll have mm. faith in it. I can't wait until November 20th. But, man, it's going to be kind of hard because also on November 20th is the uh, full season of the man in the high castle. I don't know if you guys have watched that yet over on I don't Amazon. Know what that is. Oh, it's uh, based on the Philip K. Dick story about what would have happened if the Nazis had won uh, and uh, Japan had won the war and they share occupation of the United States. And they're it's a. It's using that premise, but now it's going off into a different direction. And I want to see what they do mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, because Dick's novel is very open ended. It doesn't really have a resolution to it. But right. the way this one's set up, it feels very much like, hey, they're doing alternate reality, t- maybe time travel stuff going on in this movie or this series. I don't know. Right. near your following. Yeah, I will man, say one thing really about
3: weird. Jessica Jones. My final remark. OK. My Spider-Man complaint is still in effect.
0: OK, um, what do you guys think of this? Uh, Don Bluth and uh, Gary Goldman have started a Kickstarter for the Dragonslayer movie. I, I,
3: I want to see it.
0: Did you guys look at their movie. Kickstarter page? Did you watch their movie? Their, uh I what's the video? Yeah. What do you yeah. think of that? I thought it was kind of odd.
3: Uh, yeah, but it's Bluth. I mean, kind of everything Don Bluth touches is a
2: little odd.
0: Well, it's the whole Wizard of Oz bit that they had in
2: there, which just I was Well, like, I'm I'm guessing like yeah, it was that was super weird, but I'm guessing currently Bluth is directing. They, yeah, Wizard he said of Oz? that he was working on on the
0: stage stuff and and working right. in theater, so maybe that is what he's working on, but
2: yeah, I'm guessing just the that's way it was incorporated. It, is, it, is, it was you know, just really like, bizarre. Oh, who are we gonna use for these to do this Kickstarter, like, Oh, I know. I have a bunch of actors that are already working for me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh you guys uh, thinking about ba- backing this or not?
3: Uh, I, I haven't done any Kickstarters yet.
0: Oh, I thought if you did I, uh, I were Broken God, Lizard. I, I, I thought you did Broken Lizard.
3: I talked about maybe I should, but I
2: didn't.
0: Oh, OK. I thought you said that you did while we were recording that episode. Rodrigo, what about you?
2: I'm not. I mean, Dragon's Lair was cool. I remember watching the cartoon. I remember never playing the arcade. Oh game. man, I oh, wasted God. a it's, bunch of money on that. It yeah. is. Uh, first off, It's incredibly difficult. Second, like I remember it taking like four tokens or more. Like
0: yeah. when it when it first came out, it was fifty cents to play, and that was one of the first games that cost fifty cents to play. And your fifty cents was gone in like less than a minute.
2: Oh, well, yeah, because yeah, it's super hard it on top of it. But anyway, died. so, you know, there was something that was amazing about Dragon's Lair being a video game and having that, you know, shiny Don Bluth animation. Mm-hmm. Once it's no longer the coolest, weirdest video game in the arcade, once you put it as a movie, what do you have? It's a story about a knight. Uh, going into a dungeon and getting a scantily clad princess after fighting a dragon—it's like there is possibly not a more cliched plot to a movie. Um, so I, I don't know what they would do with Dragon's Lair to actually make it um, to actually make it that interesting.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I don't know if they're just going to expand, you know, add a bunch of cutscenes in between the actual bits (laughs) from the uh, video game or what, but what they're looking at is trying to raise $500,000, $550,000 so that they can essentially build a sizzle reel or a test reel that they can then take to the studios so that they can then get $70 million to make the movie. So I don't know. They've got 30 days as of this recording or 29 days as of this recording, they've raised something like uh, $60,000 so far, but, um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if they get that far. 67,000. So they're not even – they're just over a tenth of the way there, about 15% of the way there.
3: And they've been out for two days?
0: Two days. Mm-hmm.
3: That's uh, not a bad start. We'll see if it There have stalls. been some
0: others. There have been some others that have um, the Sandy Peterson Cthulhu Wars uh, Onslaught 2, the second wave of that. They launched and within – I want to say it was like within six hours – they had already surpassed their goal by like five hundred thousand dollars. They made a crap ton of money off that game, so I don't but know if you,
3: if you, I mean, if you do it right, you get online animation tutoring from Don Blue. I mean that. Right yes, there at
0: a funny. at a huge uh, seven hundred and fifty dollar pledge level, I think is what that one is. <sighs> yeah,
3: five thousand dollars, you actually get to go to the animation master class, a five day mm-hmm. animation class. That's
0: wow. Or you could get – if you don't want to do the um, – because there's the uh, online instruction with Don Bluth is limited to 24 people. But mm-hmm. there's also $750 to get you the Don Bluth animation tutorial box set of nine DVDs mm. plus all the previous rewards. But yes, Not the bad. the highest end – what did you say the highest end one was? 5000 No, $10,000. Oh. You get a yeah, background from the original Dragon's Lair game.
3: Yeah, that would be kind of cool.
0: Yeah seventy five thousand or seventy five hundred dollars you get a princess Daphne animator maquette statue of the main character from the final motion picture Dragons lair the movie Wow, Ooh. interesting not,
3: not this pose
0: not this pose <laughs> something make it else clear it's
3: not that pose
0: yeah yeah, interesting well, good luck with them, I guess yeah. more and more people are going to Kickstarter, and I'm glad they are doing it uh let's see we got Sherlock Holmes coming out with the uh The Christmas movie, we got Doctor Who going on strong. We'll talk Doctor Who in a couple of weeks, I am sure. And we'll be talking about the new Supergirl. Um, Well, actually, you're going to wait until the first four episodes of Supergirl have come out to uh, discuss it. Although you can see uh, Ashley's review of the first episode that she wrote around San Diego Comic-Con time when they released the pilot there at San Diego Comic-Con. You can go check that out at Major Spoilers, a whole bunch of stuff over at Majorspoilers.com, including reviews. Reviews. Reviews this week. I did not know what I was getting into when I picked up black magic with a K number one from Greg Rucka and Nicholas Scott. But, oh, my goodness, what an interesting tale. What a way to grab you in this first issue starts out at a Wiccan uh, moonlight uh, ceremony. And, you know, they're all in their little robes and nakeds and all that stuff. And then a cell phone (laughs) rings and the girl has to leave. Turns out she is a detective with the police and there's a hostage situation at the burger joint and she goes in gets the hostages out but the guy that's uh, the guy that is holding everyone hostage wants to speak with her knows her name not only her name but her real name which I guess is her Wiccan name and apparently he is uh, sent to kill her for some other group M- you know people that go out and kill witches I suppose but she uses her magics at the end and takes him out it's a very interesting storyline because now suddenly she and her coven have to figure out okay this is happening again how are we going to deal with it etc but the thing that is really weird and amazing about this issue is the art and the coloring by uh chiara i think her, her name is chiara uh arena you open this book and you're like At first, I thought this was like a proof copy, but because it didn't have hardly any colors in it. It's like this really washed out black and white, just little hints of yellow, just really washed out colors. And I was like, well, this is really weird. Why are they giving me like just partial colors in this book? And it's intentional. It's totally intentional because when you build up to the climax of this issue, suddenly you get two full pages of this just color explosion. And uh, it works super well in this book. And uh, wow, I like I said at the beginning, I didn't know what to expect going into uh, Black Magic number one, but it is kind of a uh, I want to say cop drama mystery. Of course, it's Greg Rucka, but it's got the supernatural element uh, involved as well. Great art by uh, was it Nicola Scott, Nicola, Nicola Scott. It's just wow. Very cool. Nicola. And I'm giving this four out of five slices of meatloaf. I thought it was really fantastic. But again, if something like witches and supernatural stuff bothers you, because this is not like your cartoony witches flying around on a broomstick kind of stuff or even your witchblady kind of supernatural kind of stuff. This is like, you know, uh, witches, wicked wicked witches kind of stuff. If that kind of stuff bothers you, you probably want to avoid this. But uh, I really got a kick out of it a lot. It's Black Magic number one. It's out this week from Image Comics. Go check it out. It's, it's really fantastic, especially on the art side. Nice. Matthew, what do you have for us?
3: I got a Marvel comic from Marvel Comics. Uncanny Inhumans, number one, out last week from Marvel Comics. And, of course, much hash has been made in, in certain corners of nerd media about the prominence of the Inhumans and the downplaying of the X-Men at the same time. So I wanted to check this out and see, you know, what what actually we were going to be getting. This is written by Charles Sewell with art by Steve McNiven. And I saw McNiven's name and I went, ooh, okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You remember him from Mad, Mad, Mad World, right? uh,
3: Now, Steve McNiven is the guy behind uh, the (laughs) Civil War book. Yes. Visually speaking. So this issue opens with the biggest problem that I have with, I think, the Marvel Universe. All right. We enter with a group of inhumans, right? Black Bolt, king of the inhumans, Triton, the king of the seven seas, and a new inhuman called Reader. One of these things is not like the other. Uh, Reader and Black Bolt and Triton have actually gone back in time in order to find themselves the, the past of Attilan, the, the inhuman's homeland. For reasons which are kind of left obscure, but I think are designed so that Reader, who is actually a character that we see on TV in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., can get an idea of the Inhumans' uh, mighty legacy in history. The problem is, by going back in time, Black Bolt has run afoul of an old enemy of his, Kang the Conqueror.
0: Kang.
3: Kang. Uh, now, using Kang in this context makes perfect sense, and it's actually kind of a cool moment, but then... As Kang attacks, we cut to New York Central Park where Medusa, the queen of the Inhumans, is leading a group of new Inhumans and their names are like Flint and Inferno and Grid. And again, I have this this kind of this dichotomy, a sort of a cognitive dissonance between the old school Inhumans style, the way they're drawn, the way they're written, the way they were created, and the new kids who really feel like mutants they feel like this is new x-men or x-men academy and that's kind of problematic for me throughout the issue in that the inhumans doing what they do i'm fine with it i like the fact that we have to deal with terrigan mist turning normal kids into inhumans but it really does bear the thumbprints of the let's make sure that we're taking mutants down as much as we can it really feels like an editorial edict. And oh,
0: I'm, I'm sure. I mean, if, if people have been following the news and yeah. the back rumors about what's going on with, um, um, Ike Perlmutter and, uh, Kevin Feige, 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 um, then you know that, yeah, some of that is going on. And now you know that there will probably be a backlash for that. So.
3: Well, and I'm, I'm feeling it in this issue because it does feel like they are trying to graft a lot of X-Men stuff onto the Inhumans uh, and an X-Men character. The Beast is in this issue. The Beast, of course, now has moved to Attilan uh, uh, and is working for Medusa for uh, reasons. Again, it's been eight months in the Marvel Universe. Time has passed. So we are being filled in as we go. And whatever has happened has also led to the shocking events at the end of the story where Medusa meets her ambassador from the outside world, one of the Avengers, one Jonathan Storm, the Human Torch. Mm. And Johnny Storm flies in and they're all like, oh, okay, well, officially, I have been sent to check in with you. But unofficially, they start making out just as Black Bolt shows up.
2: And, oh, no. Uh, well, uh, that, Black that Bolt can't and be Medusa good. Aren't they supposed be to be married?
0: Anymore. Oh. Oh, this that's right. This is all like nine months later or whatever after Secret Wars. Right.
3: This is eight months after Secret Wars and... The, the dialogue indicates that Black Bolt and Medusa may no longer be married, but she ends the issue by turning to him and saying, this is exactly what it looks like. Which, first of all, uh, means that Johnny Storm has a type, because you'll recall that Johnny Storm's earliest girlfriend in the comics was Medusa's baby sister, Crystal.
0: Oh, he's mm-hmm. into mm, the sister yeah. thing, and yeah.
3: There's a second story in the issue, which deals with uh, Gorgon. You remember Gorgon? Gordon Uh Gonzalez is his name.
0: Gordon Gonzalez, yeah. Oh, yeah, my favorite kind of cheese.
3: Yeah, well, black agar Boltagon. Anyway, the second story feels very much like an episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in a good way and also in a bad way in that a couple of Inhumans led by Agent McGee, whose deal is unknown, go out and they find another Inhuman hiding in a small village and they bring her back and they take her in and they're going to save her from whatever she needs saving from. There's a lot of stuff here that is clearly time jump hooks. Uh Gorgon, for instance, is in a wheelchair. Something has gone on with Black Bolt. Something has gone on with Medusa and Johnny. There's a lot of some things that need to be filled in. I just feel like there's some awkwardness in the story. Of course, the introduction of Medusa and her amazing X-Men has one of those moments you know how I say you have to have the characters introduced. You need to tell us their names. Yeah. But there's a, a good way to do it. And then there's the awkward way to do it, which is like, Stephen, what are we going to do on this major spoilers podcast?
0: Why, I don't know, Matthew. What should we do? Perhaps we should review comics. Does that sound good to you? Perhaps we should
3: ask Rodrigo, who is also
0: on the call with us right now. Well, hello, Rodrigo. You are. We're glad that you are on the call.
2: My power is ooze. Crows. <laughs> exactly.
3: That's disgusting. Let's
2: go on an adventure. Whish,
3: yay. That there's a little
2: bit of that. I was not Man, a we fan should write comics. Book. <laughs> <laughs> I just ugh. I really I like know. I really don't envy the writer because it is the the Inhumans were such like NPCs to the Marvel universe for so right. long. You know, it's like they were those guys who were sometimes heroes, sometimes villains, but were kind of just yeah. off doing their own thing. So making new Inhumans and making them feel like they're Inhumans is very difficult. They're, like, very particular. Yeah, and anytime you're making an Inhuman, the real question
3: then comes down to, from a Marvel Universe perspective and a reader's perspective, what's the difference between Triton as an Inhuman and Namor the Submariner as a mutant? the real difference breaks down to the execution. And the execution here feels like it's it hasn't quite sewn the two halves of the cloth together for me. Add to the fact that Steve McNiven does not, I think, draw a single background in the first half of the book. We have a lot of character faces appearing on solid backgrounds with color fades. It's just kind of a frustrating issue. Two slices of meat, for me. Mm. I I felt like I was working too hard to buy into something. And, you know, I, I think I'll be back. I may check out on more uncanny Inhumans, but it's just, it it doesn't feel quite right. It feels like they're trying too hard to fit the square peg into the round hole. And I don't know that it's going to serve either the inhumans or the populace that were mutants. Mm. Somebody on the internet pointed out uh, the big problem with inhumans as mutants. Yeah. And it's a good point. The mutants are a general, um, they can be used as sort of a, a storytelling device for any oppressed population. Oh, sure. The Inhumans in that same role have one separate difference. Because they were exposed to Terrigan Mist, most of the time against their will, you now have these people who are standing in for oppressed populations, but who were made that way by something evil or something bad, right. which then gives you the implication that, The inhumans have badness within them, so they're not as good a stand-in for whatever population. If you want to have it be a stand-in for race issues, stand-in for gender politics, stand-in for LGBTQ issues, it's not the same thing to be born a mutant as it is to have some freakish guy turn you into an inhuman.
2: Right, so inhumans fit better for people that have been, that are, you know, injured in some way and have to, like, live their life. From here on out, that way, people that have gone through like some serious trauma or things like that, mm-hmm. as opposed to mutants who are just like born that way,
3: right? And I think that it is an important difference, in, both in in you know just a storytelling terms of that backstory, but in the actual stories they're telling. So I, we'll see how it all works out. As I said, the second half feels like Agents of Shield, which is good because I'm a, we're, we we have at Major Spoilers have long been saying, hey. Bring your two halves together. Show us some TV in the comics and some comics in the TV. And don't just have a guy with the same name who gets killed in every episode. <laughs> the flesh. <clears throat> so, yeah, two slices of meatloaf. It's a thing. There it is. I'll
0: stop talking. Well, here's, the, I mean, just to kind of continue this a little bit, everybody's like, oh, they canceled the Fantastic Four. Yeah, they may have can- canceled the Fantastic Four, the book, but, you know, the characters are still running around. Half and, and people are like, oh, they're canceling all the X-Men books. No, Wolverine's books are still going on. There's still X-Men titles going on. Oh. So it's – I don't know if if uh jumping on the whole they're canceling everything um is, is completely accurate. Maybe they're cutting back on the number of Wolverine titles that are out each month. I don't but, even know about uh,
3: that. I mean there were eight – I think it was eight X-Men books a month in the couple of months before Secret Wars. And when they're done rolling them all out, they're going to be like seven now? Yeah.
0: So see, they – Canceled one X Men book,
3: and I don't even know if they canceled it
0: so much. As <laughs> Just, it all
3: together. We'll
0: think. wait another month and add a number one to it and sell it all over again.
3: Well, they may have canceled X Men and Fantastic Four, but they're both by God in this issue. So
0: yes, they are. So there you go, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Uncanny Inhumans. Maybe one to or skip it. Uncanny
3: Unhumans. This was out last week,
0: right? Again. That was out last week. Yes, all last right. Wednesday. Rodrigo, um, talk <laughs> talk to us about Bob.
2: <laughs> yes. Non-Union Psychic. Um, This is by uh, Lance Lucero. It's a Warehouse Nine comic, so it's it's pretty indie. It's indie stuff, man. Um, It is... Let's see, who's the illustrator? Bah, 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 bah. Uh, Francisco Resendiz. Uh, So, uh, this is... Uh, this is a story of Bob. Bob is a stylist and barber. He's got a little shop downtown where he cuts people's hair. But also he's a psychic and he kind of gets psychic readings off of people. Also, he can see ghosts. Also, he can kind of interact with the supernatural through his psychic powers. Um, he is waiting to hear back from the psychic agency to see if they will kind of like bring him into the fold and basically subsidize and and help his uh s- like psychic do good.
0: A- yeah. That's what that's what yeah, that's an interesting interesting hook.
2: It is. However, it does kind of spoil itself in this first issue.
0: Oh no. <laughs> he's
2: a non-union psychic. Um but, uh, it's pretty interesting. Like, it's, it's cool. It like walks you through what it's like to be a psychic in this world. You know, it's like, um, we don't necessarily start out from Bob's point of view, but eventually we get to Bob's point of view. And all of a sudden there's like all this psychic craziness going on constantly all the time. There's all these like, uh, spectral people walking around like there's a scene with like some like tentacles climbing up a building and he doesn't seem concerned about that okay like apparently this stuff if you're psychic you see this stuff all the time um so there's a lot of little interesting vignettes uh you know he goes and he helps this couple who are having problems with um, you know, possibly supernatural stuff. And he's like, well, let me get a reading. And he like holds, uh, the wife's hand and he gets a flash of her wedding to someone else. Uh oh. And it's, yeah, it's like, uh, and then, uh, his grandpa, who's kind of a sidekick slash mentor is like, uh, um, do you see anything interesting? And he's like, yeah, but I don't think it's relevant. So it's, you know, there's a lot of like, The world has some interesting stuff going on. You know, this this isn't just about how like cool this guy is as a psychic. And in fact, you know, he's a reluctant hero. He is clearly talented, but doesn't really want to necessarily be an action psychic. Um, there is a mysterious medallion with mysterious powers that shows up. Um, it's pretty interesting. Uh, the art is cool it's really weird. It's everything. Everything is like, everybody has like these like big heads and like little skinny bodies, like big head, skinny neck. And then depending on the body type, it goes from there. It's very distinctive. And it's really interesting because I don't know, sometimes when you have an artist that has a very kind of, um, Iconic kind of expressive style or impressive style, like impressionistic style, like somebody who doesn't make photorealistic people, um they will change faces and proportions depending on the angle to kind of maintain whatever their look is, right? Right. You right. know, if you look at somebody like uh Joe Madureira, all of his guys have like super long arms and giant hands and like tiny waists and, and things like that. But That all kind of changes around depending on what is dynamically going on. Uh, the interesting thing about this art is that it actually weirdly doesn't. And there are a lot of shots from below, like this up angle that show you that everybody's like chin is just like, is just like a straight line to their neck. So it's kind of like you're seeing this with like little dolls, like all Mm -hmm. of these characters kind of look like toys. I don't that's not necessarily that's just like this artist and the way that he does things but I don't know it's just like it gives it this little interesting thing everything has like this really weird model to it and it's it's not bad it's like I don't know there's just something about this art that makes it look really playful and interesting Um colors are cool it's got like um they have <laughs> they have a lot of fun maybe too much fun with the text and sound effects. Um, but it's not bad. Um, all around, I'll give it uh, three and a half slices of meatloaf. And I'm very interested to see what happens. There's a swerve pretty close to the end that feels like kind of a cheat to me, but it's like, it's more of like, all right, all right, I'll let you have this rather than like feeling any sort of like, uh, anger or betrayal, which I, Feel very frequently at comics.
0: Is <laughs> this is this a, a one shot or is this an ongoing?
2: I think this is an ongoing. Okay, like it or you know at least a limited. It it really seemed to leave itself open to more. This might be the sort of thing where the uh, the writer and artist just kind of put one issue together and see what happens ah all right Um, i don't have the email in front of me but um it really seemed to me like this was going to be a series okay and so what's the uh, bottle line uh three and a half slices definitely interesting definitely cool and definitely could make its way up to a higher rating as the issues go on Cool. Excellent. Thank you, Rodrigo. And hey, look, everybody
0: sliding in here quietly and sitting down at the uh, guest chair. One Ashley Victoria Robinson. Oh, hi. Hello. How are you? I thought you had a big uh, dinner thing to do.
1: Uh, I do, but not for a little while.
0: Oh, okay. Well, then welcome to the show. (laughs) Glad to have you here. No, no, that's great. I'm very interested to talk to you about the uh, Jim and the Holograms movie.
1: yeah. Well, maybe you shouldn't be.
0: Well, see, I had such high <laughs> hopes because I really like Haley Kyoko as she, uh, as,
1: she was she as was an good. actress and
0: a person. So I kind of had high hopes that this would be a good thing for her. I mean, she played uh, in um, Velma in the Scooby-Doo TV movies. Mm-hmm. But it looks like Jim and the Holograms wasn't even Josie and the Pussycats.
1: Uh, well, I've never seen Josie and the Pussycats, although I hear that it is legendarily terrible. Um
2: I actually strongly recommend it. I, it's I, qu- it's quite entertaining in it too. It's a lot of fun. It's not good, but it's a lot of fun.
1: See, and I don't even think Gem and the Holograms is that much fun, which is one of the big problems with the movie. Like it really takes itself so seriously because, it, you know, the the great thing about the TV show is that. She is not only a successful businesswoman, but uh she's this fanciful musician, and she's a philanthropist, and she's very much the successful working woman of the 1980s, which is really, really magnificent, as well as being this really cool rocker chick. And in the movie, she's just kind of this really sad girl with stage fright whose sisters trick her into putting herself up on YouTube. So you take all of the confidence and everything that makes her special away from her and even though aubrey peoples is doing a pretty decent job with the material that she's given it really doesn't sustain past the fact that she's just she's that sad trembling little girl who needs everyone else to tell her how great she is and then in the span of three scenes um everyone is mad at her and abandons her and then she sings a song and then they decide that they love her and she comes back so it all kind of escalates very quickly out of nowhere and um she has a love interest um, played by – oh, I forgot his last name. Yeah, his first name. His last name is Guzman, um, and he's on Heroes right now. Um, oh, I he, know who you're talking about. She looks like yeah. she's about 15, and he looks like he's about 35. <laughs> so when they consummate their romance as much as you can in a PG-13 movie, it's like a little sexual assault-y. And, <laughs> and a, you know? <laughs>
2: it's a little statutory. <laughs>
1: And, yeah, and, you know, this is a movie that's made for girls who are, like, probably 13 and under, and I don't know if that's the best message that you want to send them. So I think where the movie succeeds is, like, taking this great idea of what a, a young working woman should be and just totally trashing it and kind of forgetting everything that made the 80s TV show so interesting and revolutionary at the time, Um, which is too bad because I think it's pretty well cast. But
0: are the misfits in there?
1: Uh, no, they're not. Although w- somebody wow. on Twitter tried to fight me about that and say that they were. And I was like, I've seen this movie. There were no misfits.
0: What about Molly Ringwald?
1: Uh, Molly Ringwald plays their aunt who because oh. they're all sisters, either biological or adopted. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's nice to see her because she's very talented. And it's nice to see this woman who was very much the young um, leading lady, you know, in the 1980s, kind of passing the torch onto this new generation of girls. So she's she's quite good for the 12 minutes of screen time she probably gets.
0: Oh, so she's not in there for very long.
1: No. Oh, um, that's a shame. But Juliette Lewis plays Erica Raymond, who's a gender-bent version of Eric Raymond uh, from the cartoon show, and mm-hmm. she's living in a totally different movie. She's like a Muppet compared to the rest of them because she's so over the top. <laughs> wow. But she, she's excellent because she's just crazy. It's a shame
3: that a a show that was really about looking beyond the facade and looking beyond just what people seem to be on the surface would fall into the trap of being about the surface. That's kind of heartbreaking. It uh,
0: is
1: yet not surprising.
0: uh, That's too bad. So Jim and the Holograms, truly outrageous or or not?
1: What's the opposite of truly outrageous?
2: Um, Dumpster uh, City? We are the misfits. I, I don't know.
1: Truly, truly, sounds, truly sounds, uh, disappointing. Uh, that's, is that the same number of solutions? That's so.
0: I mean, I think. What did I see that it didn't even make a million dollars on the opening weekend?
1: No, nothing that opened this past weekend uh, did well at all, which is kind of sad. But even, I think it's the chat yeah, that that you people into as well before all the um, all the Oscar it's bait movies releases. that are about to come out.
0: Yeah. Do you think? Uh, do you think uh, sports had anything to do with it? With, uh, was
1: that was there a sports thing this weekend?
0: Oh yeah, I mean uh, the final playoff games leading up into the World Series. You also had all the football that was going on and um, college football and those kinds of things. There was a lot of mm-hmm. lot to occupy people's minds to keep them at home.
1: I think perhaps, um, of course, over, one of the overall, things. To, but the audience of Gem is is I'm I'm going to guess. Yeah. Is, is not the, uh, the sports viewing audience. I'm,
0: I'm gonna also guess that the thing that kept audiences away from Jim and the Holograms was the trailer for the Jim and the Holograms movie.
3: That's
0: mm. part of it.
1: That's why I didn't want to see it. I, yeah.
0: I really wanted to, I was like, oh, this movie could be a lot of fun. It's gonna be real cool. And then when I saw the trailer, it's like, oh, no.
1: It's not. <laughs> I, I have
3: not seen the movie, don't plan to see it, but I can say that the feedback that I'm seeing from film Twitter and the weirdos that I follow is that the film doesn't know who it's aimed at because the nostalgia people like me, you know, the old dudes would go and see a movie, but it's not necessarily something that, that plays to that. It's an entirely new story. And, you know, young folks like Ashley want to be inspired by the story of a, of a cool young chick doing cool young things. Yeah. But it's not that either
2: from, from, it's that. not. And then there's
1: <laughs> randomly a robot for no reason.
2: Well this the, is this is just a perfect robot. example of that um that machinery, right? It's like um they will not greenlight a movie unless it has a built-in audience. And so right. somebody who's just trying to push a script through will just say, "Uh, can we get the rights to Gem and the Holograms?" Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now I'm just going to write this script. Use the yeah. same names, and it'll get pushed through because I can pitch it to the studio saying this has a built-in audience. Even though the built-in audience would be repulsed by this movie. Well, and that, right.
0: that happens a lot. Like I was just saying a little bit ago about uh, King of the High Castle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Loose adaptation of the Philip K. Dick novel, but goes off in a totally different direction. And we see that happen a lot with uh, adap- uh, books, comic books, et cetera, being uh, adap- ad- ad- adapted for the movies. Adapted. No I'll one can say that word this yes.
3: episode.
0: Ashley, <laughs> uh, what else is going on with you? What exciting things. Oh, happy uh, happy new uh, Prime Minister Day or whatever. We missed that last week.
1: Oh, man, he's so hot. I'm so excited. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get to vote, but I'm excited.
0: Oh, I was going to ask if you did a absentee ballot or anything.
1: I can't because um, even though I'm still a citizen because I haven't held permanent residence in five years, I don't qualify to vote anymore.
2: Oh, interesting. And I don't get
1: to vote in the country that I live in. So I'm like a Canadians person.
2: are much. weirdly hardcore about voting. Apparently, we're not allowed to tell Ashley who to vote. That's illegal.
1: Yeah, I that's know? a big. My parents too would never tell me like who they voted for or anything. So oh yeah,
0: well I don't ever tell. I mean, I'll if I feel like it, I will. But uh, everyone yeah.
1: here is telling me who they're
0: voting. When for. I when I was uh back in the eighties, when I was first voting, it was like you don't tell anybody who you voted for. You you don't talk about those kinds of things. So I was like, okay. And it wasn't until maybe the last election, two elections ago, whatever it was with uh, President Obama, the first time. That I actually was like, okay, yeah, I voted for this, and here's my party affiliation. So, and it all went downhill from there. My
3: conservative wife about this coming political election cycle, but you know, it's always in the car where no
0: one can hear us. (laughs) What else is going on, Ashley? Sorry, I'm choking on some water there.
1: Oh my God, don't die, please. I won't. Uh, I got a new show.
0: You did? Awesome. (laughs) Can you talk about it?
1: Greatest girl on Supergirl.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Girl on Supergirl. Like you can check that out over at the, uh, at Jawan's YouTube channel, J A W I I N. I saw the first one today. Looked really good. Is that in your, uh, new place or you got a location for that?
1: Uh, nope. That is in the place where I live.
0: Wow. That is a, that is a really nice, that's a really nice, uh, kind of built in set that you have there. I like that yep. a lot.
1: We uh we spent a lot of time building that as we were unpacking all of the boxes and um hopefully it'll be versatile enough to use for some other stuff.
0: Yeah, I think but so. I mean uh, where'd you get the floating shelves? Did you build those or did you go to IKEA or what?
1: There's there's wood there wood that I painted with my bare hands and, <laughs> and then Jason drilled into the wall. <laughs> well,
0: that's excellent. I mean that's really I mean it really there looks goes good. Your damage deposit. And then of no, course we
1: got we got toothpaste and spackle, it'll be fine.
0: Yeah. You know how to do it. Um but uh, real quickly, tell everybody what's about.
1: about. Uh, so there's this awesome new Supergirl show on CBS. And I'm a girl and I love Supergirl. So every week I am going to give you a review of the episode and provide some insights and fun uh, character histories about some of the classic DC characters that we're going to have popping up. So you can find that every <laughs> as soon as I get it out. So probably late Monday night.
0: Oh, that's Did you great. you do a history of Zardoz? no. Not in that one. Uh, no, we Vartox, only kind of
1: we only kind of mentioned
4: Vartox. him.
0: TV. Yeah, it is Vartox. Um, Vartox. We will be talking, as I mentioned earlier in the uh, episode, we'll be talking about the first four episodes of the Supergirl television series. Come mid-November, just before Thanksgiving, we'll do that. Be there. Yes, we will be there because there's a lot of things to talk about, including National City.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: and uh that's really more.
1: just Los Angeles
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's what it's like, oh, it looks like Los Angeles to me, but uh, national I recognize City.
1: those buses anywhere <laughs> a
0: nice reference to the uh national publication, so there you go
1: yeah.
4: oh, oh, oh
0: there you go, Matthew, um man, maybe I should run down top ten things that you missed about this uh, this week 's uh, supergirl show Dean King Keen- Kane and uh uh Helen, Helen Slater, Slater as the adoptive parents uh, people would know Dean Kane as the original Superman. And Helen Slater as Supergirl from the movie. So there you go.
1: She looks so good.
0: She does. Uh, of course, Matthew and I saw her a few years ago at Planet Comic Con up in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's she was just. not
3: that old. I think she's right around our age, isn't
0: she? No, she's got to be about 10 years older than us, I think. Oh, I don't yeah, know. Well, about De- that. Dean
1: Kane's not looking as good as Helen Slater's looking.
0: She is 51. Yeah. So almost. So 10 years.
3: around our age.
0: Yeah, six years, sure. OK, um, a sponsor Six years time, is not a decade. Sp- if you round up sponsor time, tweaked dot com. Uh, I'm going to have to get a b- brand new pair of tweaked audio headphones, ladies and gentlemen. Somehow I was at soccer tonight and I dropped my earbud and it got wedged in between, like down in the gear part of where your um, belt buckle connects to your seat. And they had one yeah. of these weird plastic things around there. And I was trying to, I was like, okay, give it a gentle yank this way. I'll give it a gentle yank this way. I'll pull a little harder. I'll pull a little harder. And pop, the cable just
2: came right out of the. Uh, the whole seat came out. Yeah. Streaked audio headphones are super durable. Well, they are. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> as Stephen much as $400 the thing that he has to do for his car. As uh,
0: they really are durable headphones. And I was putting a lot of strain on these to try to get it out. So if someone's trying to yank these out of your ears and steal them, well, there's a good reason they're trying to steal them because they're tweaked audio headphones and everybody wants a pair. But next time someone tries to grab your tweaked audio, uh, earbuds away from you or your over the ear, uh, earphones, just tell them, Hey man, no need to steal these head over to tweaked Use the checkout code major. You're going to get 30% off the price, man, buy three of them. It's like getting a- another pair. Absolutely free. Ah. Uh. Wonder what kind I'm going to get this time. I may look at their over-the-ear ear, uh, earphones this time. You can cans? Try that. Those the cool. cans. That's right. That's the technical jargon. But you may oh, want to cool get me up there for, for Hanukkah. Uh, we'll see. We'll see if you've been good this year, Matthew. Normally, retail every- price 19.95 to 34.95, but for our major spoilers listeners, 12.95 to 27.95. Use the checkout code major at tweakedaudio.com. Thank you, Tweaked Audio, for your support. Now for the part I'm really excited about. What's that? Uh, The ad where I say everybody head over to Majorspoilers.com. Click on the Amazon link. Buy Gotham Academy Volume 1. Same price, a little bit comes back our way. And you can read along with us as we talk about Gotham Academy Volume 1. I love this series. Especially Volume 1. Academy. I was excited for this series when it first came out. Give us a rundown, uh, Ashley, about uh, Gotham Academy. Who our characters are, what's the story, all that good stuff.
1: So, if you like Harry Potter and you like Batman, I do you like will Harry like Potter. Gotham Academy.
0: I like, I like Batman too.
3: Yeah, but I don't like either of those things. You'll well, still like.
1: That's because you're cause it's full it's of hate
0: good. and you've got a black heart.
1: <laughs> it is uh, a prep school set in Gotham, and the story focuses around Olive Silverlock. Olive Silverlock, how Silverlocks? Because we're a little on the nose with that. She comes from the Silverlock family uh, that has crazy people who maybe have superpowers in it, and she hates Batman. And she has an ex-boyfriend named Kyle, who is a tennis player, who has a cool little sister named Maps, who likes Maps and Dungeons and Dragons and wants to be Robin. And they are best friends, and she is trying to help all of come into herself since the death of her mother and then crazy things start happening
0: there's a ghost at uh, gotham academy oh a
3: so a scary ghost blah
0: so there's a couple of a uh, group of kids that are trying to raise the uh the spirit of one of the cobble pots what was her name jean marie or something uh Molly jean. Jean. Molly, Millie Millie Jane? Jean. yeah something like that Jane. they're trying to raise her ghost but Somehow they think their containment spell didn't work. They got their streams crossed and there's ectoplasmic residue all over the academy. Gross. Well, yeah, that's what uh, Bill Murray said. (laughs) Page 32 right there. Um, So, yeah, there is this. What I like about this is there's this mystery of the kids. You hit the nail on the head. Very much Harry Potter in a Batman universe where these kids are coming together, trying to solve the mystery of the haunted North Hall. And uh, through. Putting clues together and going on their adventures, they discover that Killer Croc is really down in uh, the sub-basement. Mm-hmm. Uh, and apparently there are some tunnels really, now.
1: A really nice version, a really caring version of it Killer is, Croc. This is, a is the part that I
0: like. One. This is the Killer Croc from Batman the Animated Series. <laughs>
3: Yes. Yeah. And they In even invoke his his rendition and his character.
0: Yes, mm-hmm. because and they even invoke the uh, episode because the killer croc at one point has the line and then I threw a rock at him, which was the uh, episode <laughs> called "Almost Got Him."
1: That's such a yes. good episode.
0: It is a good episode. And I was just like, all oh, right, they, they nailed that. So it is a very sweet killer croc. Um, and I do like that look on killer croc. And maybe it's because of the animated series drilled it into my head that that was a better look than anything that had come out before. But um, apparently there's tunnels that connect Arkham Asylum with Gotham Academy. And during a breakout over the summer, when um, uh, Olive's uh, mother escaped, he escaped as well, and he set himself up inside the walls of Gotham Academy in the girls' dorm and has well, been keeping an eye on Olive the entire time to keep her safe.
1: Because why not well, girls' dorm? Well, I guess, In, in yeah. his defense, it
3: seems like all of the teachers at Gotham Academy also escaped from Arkham Asylum. Because the librarian to, reminds and me and of the, the Riddler and the headmaster reminds, like reminds me of Rachel Gould.
0: Yeah. Now, I don't know um, past volume one if any of that's been revealed, but it does feel very much like that. It's all in there. It is all in there.
3: And the acting coach is the great ghost.
0: Yes. (laughs) Although I um, hear him more as um, like a really, really over the top Vincent Price.
3: See, I always I hear Dr. Orpheus from Venture Brothers,
4: Mm. but the character name is the (laughs) same
3: name as the the character, the great ghost from that Batman, the animated
0: series. Yeah. Also another great episode. There's a lot of that in
3: here. So and, uh, we forgot about Pommeline, the evil goth girl.
1: She's not that evil. Quite so
0: evil, nah. And her, so, go she ahead. She's such a, a lot perfect, more important we, we in, the,
4: name in the second. Pommeline.
0: arc. Let's uh, have Ashley talk first. Ashley, go ahead.
1: Sorry, I was going to say that Pommeline becomes like a lot more prominent in the second arc of of Gotham Academy.
0: Yeah. She's
1: yeah. just kind of a rat. Like you're introduced to her, and the redheaded boy's name, who I can never remember. Colton. Um. Colton, but they yeah. become like more key players as the series goes on.
0: Mm-hmm. Rodrigo, what do you like about this this story? Or what do you maybe don't like about this story? Uh which one
2: first? How about what you like? I like. I definitely like the art. Yeah, we'll come around to the art in a little bit. Um I like that it's a cute little team of kids investigating stuff. I like that there's three girls and one boy, which is not your usual makeup. Um, I like that Killer Croc's in it, and I do like that version of Killer Croc. I'm also like, really, it's it's interesting, because, you know, all this happens in the Batman universe. So I was like, how did these kids make this, like, glowing, translucent ghost puppet? And I'm like, oh, well, you know, it's like people make like shirts that are bulletproof in the DC universe. And like, just, Mm -hmm. you know, it's Mm -hmm. like for all I know, like this is like Amazonian cloth or something.
0: Uh, Ashley just had to step out. Ashley, are you still there? I don't think she is. Okay. She is gone, but uh, glad she was able to step in for just a few moments before she had to rush off. Always good to hear from her.
2: She's so mysterious. She is so mysterious. Kind
0: of like the ghosts that that haunt. Oh, yeah. She's just like Batman. I turned my back just for a moment. She's gone. I'm like, wait, how'd she do that? Um, so, yeah. Great to have her pop in just really quick. Uh, you know, there's something about maps kind of like um, oh crap. Now I forgot the character over in Lumberjanes. Um, they're Ripley? very. Yes. Ripley. They're very much cut from a similar cloth or at least oh. the same bolt next to each other on the shelf. Um, but there's something about her exuberance and excitement and just total um skewing of the topic mm-hmm. v- that I I really like her character a whole lot
3: can't talk pizza nom nom nom
0: nom nom pizza or she's like when she's sitting there uh actually is it at the end of this oh yeah there's an epilogue at the end of this volume where she's sitting in class and she's like Eric is going to be I knew from the very first moment that Eric would be perfect for my um D&D group and then Damian Wayne enters and she's like nope Here's the new guy, and she just is like very spur of the moment, very high energy, all that stuff. I just really like her character a, a whole, whole lot. Um, what didn't you – what did you like, Matthew, I should say?
3: I think the, the most likable parts of it are, for me, the fact that it comes after a major universal reboot. So that when these characters who resemble other characters and may or may not be other characters and at least two cases are characters that we know from other places, my brain can go, oh, well, maybe this is the new alternate version that I like much better of Professor Milo or, you know, the the gray ghost or these characters that we've seen in different contexts. It really is kind of an Easter egg fest Mm -hmm. for fans of Batman continuity. That's also the thing that I like least about it.
0: <laughs> why is that? Which,
3: sometimes it feels like work. When uh, Professor – or excuse me, Headmaster Hammer first appeared, mm-hmm. my brain went, Ray Sal Ghul. Why is that Ra's al Ghul? And I kept expecting there to be a reveal of why Professor Hammer is Ra's al Ghul. But there isn't in this first volume, and I don't think there is in the series to date – and I don't think there's going to be, but I'll be darned if he doesn't look like a classic Denny O'Neill, Jim Aparo, Rachel Goul, and I want to know why.
0: Well, that's because you have some weird thing about old people with funny hairdos.
3: No, because if I was going to do that, I'd say he looked like uh, Filch from the Harry Potter film. Because
0: if it, if it was Rachel Gould, I mean, Bruce Wayne is there at the Academy multiple times, it wouldn't have uh, pegged him right away.
3: Well, Professor Milo is here, and he's an old Batman villain.
0: Mm, but is Ooh. he? Is he? Is really? he? Exactly. He is. Um, What's not to like? Anybody. Is there anything not to like? I guess the one thing that it um, there seems to be a lot of jumping around uh, as far as the narrative goes in that. It starts to go in one direction, and then it kind of changes its tone, and then it kind of swings back that way. Like another issue, it seems like to be a, as much as I like maps and how loose she is, the overall story at times seems to be let's run amuck and follow a false clue this way, and essentially waste time and 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 potentially an issue following this storyline that in this volume doesn't have a resolution.
3: I can see that. I think that to some degree, it's that Scooby Doo storytelling with you know a few red herrings here and there and everybody splits up. And at the end, Velma has the reveal. I'm kind of okay with that. I feel like the story is telling us about young, excitable teenagers with the exception of Pommeline, who's over it. But having the story actually being told in fragments and fits and starts, like it was actually being told to us by young, excited teenagers kind of
2: works for me thematically. Rodrigo? Um, Let's see. Actually, I think the biggest point against this book is actually that it takes place in the Batman universe. I think, you know, a story like this with young kids and supernatural stuff and everything else um, could have a lot of room to go. And there's plenty of room to go in the DC universe, but... um, Tying it to Batman, I think, actually makes it less interesting. I mean, no, actually, straight up makes it less interesting to me. I would be way more interested in this if I didn't think that Batman was going to show up every other issue.
0: <laughs> and maybe he does. I mean, it's interesting that at one point she thinks Batman shows up, but it's actually some kid that has uh, Kirk Langstrom's disease, right? And um, it, it, you know, many times there have been these rumors that oh my gosh, they're going to do a. Um, young Batman in high school series where it's going to have Batman and all the young villains and everybody. It's uh, going to be in the school together and it'd be interesting. And then when Gotham Academy came out, people were like, "Ooh, I hope it's not going to be young Batman in in school and we're going to see all these younger versions of villains and stuff." But it seems like they're still trying to wedge in as many of the main DCU bat villains that, as they can.
3: Yeah, and that can be seen as maybe a weakness, or it can be seen as hey, look at all these cool toys we have to play with.
2: Yeah, sure.
3: Look at what we can get away with because this is, you know, this is a whole new thing in a whole new place and continuity doesn't matter except when it does.
2: Well, and really, I mean, if you look at this, it's like, um, this is doing that right. Gotham Academy is doing it right as compared to, say, Gotham, which goes way, way out of its way to constantly reference the Batman mythos, whereas... um, You know, often like at the expense of the story, whereas Gotham Academy just kind of peppers things in or leaves little clues for the old fogies that like Batman while really just kind of telling its own story.
0: Well, I as many as there may be little nitpicky problems here, I thought overall that this was a fantastic uh, first volume and the art by Carl Kerschel is just mind-blowing. And I have been a fan of Carl Kerschel since he first popped up in that one Flash backup story with Flash. And um, what was the, what's the reverse Kid Flash's name? Um, Inertia. Inertia. Oh, my God. That was such a great book. And I've been wanting him to do more Batman stuff, more DC stuff ever since then. And now we get him in this first volume of uh, Gotham Academy. And there's just something about the art and the colors that just make me want to continue to read this series again and again and again.
3: Yeah. The art has a lot of personality and the thing that's great about it is it's not a traditional superhero art style, but it's still really, really expressive. It Mm -hmm. doesn't quite fall under the heading of cartoony, but even there it's something where it, it has that element of kind of an animation styling. It has the elements of things where you can go, OK, well, this might be based on that one thing. And this character clearly is supposed to look like Velma. But all in all, you could still read it and see how it would fit in the narrative in a Batman universe that I think is kind of cool. Plus, all the characters look like teenagers. They don't look yes. like short adults uh-huh. or babies with big heads. They look like people in their teens, which is kind of rare in comics and should be celebrated as an achievement. Strangely. Oh, yeah. Most definitely.
0: Rodrigo, what do
2: you, you had talked earlier about? You like the art. I do. I think it's, I think it's really cool. I think there's a lot here to like. Um, like Matthew said, the character design is really strong because the kids are like kids and the adults look like adults. Um, it is, you know, quote unquote cartoony without being like over the top, um, like super deformed stuff. Um, the colors are great. Like they're the coloring in this book is really fantastic. It's probably the best thing about this book. Oh just, yeah. Most definitely you know, the application of, of color throughout the whole thing.
0: Oh yeah. Most definitely. Uh, just fantastic up and down and all around. Um, anything else we want to talk about this volume?
4: Mm-hmm. You know, what's say, really good about it. Okay, go ahead. Am
0: I here? Yes, you are. Okay.
3: I had a sudden delay.
4: I, I do
3: like the fact that our main character and many, and the majority of our cast are female. It's a strange thing and it's not necessarily something that people are going to, you know, glom onto. There are people who yell at me when I make these assertions about comics, but it is nice to see it done and done well rather than having yet another, you know, teenage kid or having it focus, I thought when this book came out, it was going to be focused on Damien.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: And I thought, you know, it would be the adventures of Damien away at school and just a crushing bore, to be frank. And it's not that. And it works. And all of the characters are really, really well run within their, their Balawake. And, of course, then there's Can't Talk pizza. Right. So, yeah, it's, it, it's good to have that that main female character. It's good to have the interactions with the characters and have, you know, three female characters on screen and the only people through most of an issue who do anything. That's great. I love that.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree. Now, uh, you said that you thought this was going to be the Damien story. Starting in mm-hmm. volume two, Damien Wayne does show up at uh, the Academy. Well, and the Damien. other thing is there is an artist change in volume two. <gasps> no. Yeah. 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 Who Part- is it? Uh, Who is the person that does the art in this issue? Um, Sorry, hold on. I need to pull it up. Is it? Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. Helen Chen. Mingju Helen Chen is the artist, cool. which the art is fine. But it is. I mean, if you're reading this from. Um, volume to volume or issue to issue. It's, it is a sudden change in style.
2: It's still very kid-friendly. I'm, kid looking, friendly I'm and looking at the paperback on Amazon. It says that Carl Kershaw is doing volume two.
0: Uh, well, maybe he just did. Uh, maybe this other person did uh, just issue seven. But uh, issue seven is totally different. Totally different art. Let me look here at issue nine. Oh, yeah. So Carl Kershaw is back. Probably maybe that was just a one issue fill in.
3: Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. It might have been a fill-in.
0: Yeah. Well, thank God.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah. So uh, bottom line for me, this is a great book top to bottom. There is no reason why you shouldn't read this book. It is fantastic. It is probably I would say it's one of the top five books that DC is putting out every month, wow. and that, it is certainly worth perfect. your time. No, it, I mean, it, of all the books that DC is putting out. This one hits on so many different levels, and I think that there's a reason why this book has been the success that it was, because nobody meddled with it. I'm, You know, they have a group editor, they have an editor, but it's one of those like, yeah, 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 just go do whatever you want with it, and it'll be over in six issues, and nobody's saying, oh, well, now you have to monkey around with this, and you have to tie it into this big universe event, and now you have to do this and this and this. No, just go tell your story over here in the DC universe, and suddenly they're surprised by, wow, this book is a success, just like Batgirl. Wow, this book is a success. We had no idea if we just stopped monkeying around with stuff that people would enjoy it. And uh, that is really kind of apparent in in this uh, first volume. So if you want to see a comic book done right, pick up Gotham Academy Volume 1. Rodrigo, final uh, thoughts?
2: I will agree that this is probably the most worthwhile Uh, book that dc is putting out um and i'm maybe slightly above lukewarm on it which goes to show exactly how i feel about the rest of the stuff dc is putting out (laughs) um but there's nothing wrong with it it's great it's cool it's a cute little caper stuff the art is fantastic i definitely pick it up from the library at least okay and matthew
3: Uh, I'm actually in between you guys. I like it a lot. I don't think that it's the awesomest, best thing in the world, but I think that is really solid. It's a genre we don't see. It's an age group of main characters we don't see. And I think it's targeted at audiences that a lot of comics, specifically bat comics, are not. And I think you should definitely give it a shot, even if you look at it and go, nope, not for me. Worst case scenario, you've been exposed to some comics that are, above average, especially, you know, given some of the stuff we've been seeing in, in certain titles, not mentioning any names called Green Lantern, has been an endless cycle of drudgery for like the last couple of years. This is something that breaks out of the cycle of zombies and interstellar wars and the worstest, baddest guy ever, and gives us the story of some kids who are just trying to put it all together, and the weird stuff that happens when they do. And I like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, I've talked before that I've really cut back on my print version of comics, just because of the amount of space that I'm using up. This is one of the few comics that I still will get both in digital and in print, because I think it's something to worth worth holding on to uh, in the future, just to pick up and read. So. All right. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Rodrigo. Thank you, Ashley, for stepping in for just a real quick moment before she had to step out again. And thank you, dear listener, for being part of the Major Spoilers podcast once again this week. So glad to have you with us. So glad that you're part of the Major Spoilers experience. If you like this show, then you might want to check out some of the other shows in the Major Spoilers podcast network. We've got gaming shows. We've got movie shows. We've got more comic book shows. It's all in the Major Spoilers Podcast Network, and you can find that at Majorspoilers.com. Thank you to our VIPs for making this possible, and uh, we'll be back next week to take a look at Big Guy and Rusty the Bo- Boy Robot, because we know that you love comics. We do, too. We will talk with you soon.
4: Major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm raving rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised if I find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline But would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fine Being in the Middle East With a king, san throwing soldier What a major spoiler, what a major spoiler, yeah, 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 what a major spoiler, whoa, 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 whoa. what a major spoiler. This podcast is copyright 2015 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.